Welcome into the Ots and Audibles podcast. I'm at Prem Eric Scopel with me on the show as always. And today is Wednesday. That marks hump day, which also means it is mailbag Wednesday. You guys submit your questions. We answer them. First, I want to remind you guys, we're doing a, a, probably the best sale we do all year right now at DuckTerritory.com. 50% off an annual membership uh, our, of our normal rate. That gets you a subscription for an entire year. And you get inside scoop. You get recruiting analysis. You get team coverage. You get it all with our VIP membership. It's the most impactful way to support the show as always. But on top of that, we're giving you instant access to CBS All Access, which will uh, give you live streaming, live sports, movies, on-demand features, all of it for free. And it's just immediately available for you. Um, you can get that by subscribing today to DuckTerritory.com. Uh, real quick, editing note. Uh, you probably just heard it. Uh, there is some construction going on at my house. So if you are an audio snob and you are going to be upset about some noises in the background, I apologize. I can't do anything about it. Uh, it's just the way it is right now in my house. Um, so just want to let you know, you may hear some things. I'm going to try my best to keep them muted, uh, but I will promise you I will not get them all out uh, out of the, sh- of the show. So, okay, Eric, we got a couple questions. Let's hammer these out. All right. First one from at Smith Garrett 91. I asked something like this around the same time last year. Do you think any team or individual records can be broken this upcoming season? I still maintain that KT could come close to the sack record. Hashtag Ots and Audibles. Thanks, Garrett, for using the hashtag. That always helps us find our questions. Um, I think first off, I'll say I, I, I think a team record thing is just really hard for me to wrap my head around, in part because it's not there's not one area for this team on either side of the football that I look at and think, boy, are they just like the best we've seen in a long time. Like, I think going into 2020 with what Oregon had in the secondary, you could have going into 2020, obviously it didn't turn out, but like going into last season, you could have been like, maybe they'll break some sort of interception school record or some sort of pass deflection record or some sort of uh, allowing the fewest passing yards or passing touchdowns or something like that. Like that could have been foreseeable just because that was such a clear strength for the defense going in, we thought. And then, of course, a bunch of players opt out. Defense is kind of pretty up and down, even in the secondary, even with players that we thought highly of, you know, I thought Mikhail Wright got better as the season went on, but it didn't start great. And I thought probably some players in the, at safety didn't play very well at times either. So those didn't come to fruition, but I think it's hard to look at 2021, honestly, right now with the questions we have at quarterback, honestly, with the questions we have at running back with what CJ Verdell going to be in, in 2021. Um, and then defensively with what they're replacing on the defensive line and then the secondary and, and even not that they're replacing anything at linebacker, but just some of the youth there, it's really hard for me to be like, yeah, they're going to break some team records. So I'm, I'm already like, maybe Matt disagrees and, and maybe there's something really obvious here, but I couldn't just kind of thinking through this and looking through some of the record books. I, I had a hard time being like, yeah, that team record's going to fall in 2021. And I should note an, an earlier part of the defensive back stats being broken in 2020 were would have been difficult in part just because he played seven games like half a normal season we expect a full season in 2021 so i think that opens the door for some stuff to go down i think in terms of individual records um 
I posted a series of stories on duckterritory.com that you can go check out um, just by searching um, by like, I think it's like where Oregon's, what Oregon's passing leaderboard looks like or rushing leaderboard. Like I have all of the individual season and career and single game stats posted there. And like, honestly, looking through there, I don't see a single offensive stat that looks likely to be broken from a career perspective. And some of the individual season marks, like I find it really hard to believe that a CJ Verdell could run for over 1800 yards or more than 20 touchdowns. And I find it unlikely that whoever the quarterback is, is going to come close to any of Marcus Mariota's records. Maybe at receiver, one of these guys just has an incredible season, but I almost think that the the depth of talent makes it hard to think one guy is going to go out and have like 75 receptions right. for 1200 yards and 15 touchdowns. I just look at that and think that's unlikely. So I, I really go to defense and, and I think, Garrett, this might sound lazy, but like the really the only thing I could see coming down would maybe be a sack record. And the number right single now, season. single season, yeah, because I mean, from a career perspective, unfortunately, KT's final season is going to be 2021. I think we all agree. He's just, just not going to have played enough games because of the shortened season in 2020 to get to the career number. The career number is 29 and a half. Um, he currently has 11, uh, sorry, 12 for his career. I don't see him getting to like 18 sacks. Now, maybe he does. And if he does, he certainly is breaking the single season record, which is currently 13, held by Ernest Jones and Nick Reed. Um, both of those players played 90s, 2000s. Reed was a player some listening may be more familiar with just because he played in the two, like his final the, the year he broke it, or, or, or I guess set the record, was 2008, tied Ernest Jones. So you kind of know that name. But like I could see, and I don't even think it would be that big of a stretch, stretch to see Thibodeau have more than 13 sacks in 2021. That's like about one sack per game. He averaged fairly close to that in terms of the games he started in 2019. Um, obviously finishes with nine. I think he made eight or nine starts that season. I had to pull up the stats to know for sure. But like, I don't think that one feels crazy, Garrett. I, I feel pretty decent with saying like, yeah, he might be able to do that. Tackles, there's no one close on the career record book. Um, the single season, the number's 206. For crying out loud, no one's ever going to touch that. Um, you know, it, it interceptions, like, no. I mean, like, you need a player to get double-digit interceptions. A single season record was set like, 70 years ago and it's just a number that's never going to fall so like honestly like I, I hate that we're starting off the show with kind of being like yeah it's not going to happen but like I think the only real shot of some real like career records or single season records going down would be KT having a really big season other than that it just doesn't seem particularly likely like it's like the offensive stuff we talked about and the defensive stats like a lot of this especially with the tackles and interception numbers are just really inflated because football was played a lot more sloppily. There were a lot more plays played. There were a lot fewer rotations, I think, of players a long time ago. And so, like, you just aren't going to see much fall. I don't know, Matt. Like, do you, do you disagree with that? I, or, or? I don't think a statistical record could could fall in 2021. Maybe a sack. Like, yeah. If there is going to be one, it's probably going to be sacks. Maybe interceptions on a year. Like, that's one where you could see something come out of the blue. A guy just all of a sudden dominates like Mikhail Wright. It wouldn't be a surprise if he gets tested early and often in this upcoming season, because he'll be the, you know, the new lockdown corner and teams are going to test him early on. And maybe he gets a couple games where he gets multiple interceptions uh, in, in multiple games or something like that. But I'm with you now. I will say this, like 
Garrett asked a question that's geared towards statistics, but I'm going to flip it and say like, okay, what if we're talking like awards? Could we see the program's first ever Benaric award, which is presented to the college football player of the year by the Maxwell football club. IFO was a, a semifinalist in 13 and 14, but they've never had a player win that award. The top defensive player in the country. I think KT could be up for that. We could certainly see uh, something like that uh, happen for the Ducks. Um, another one is the Bronco uh, Narguski trophy, which is given to the best defensive player in college football. Uh, Holodi Nada was a finalist in 2005, uh, and he did not win that award. Um, I think you could also look at like Ted Hendricks uh, on honor given out to the top defensive end in college football. It was established in 2002. Nick Reed was a finalist in 2007 and then a semifinalist in 2008. DeForest Buckner was a finalist in 2015, but neither of those two guys won the actual award. So, you know, like I think there, there could be a case where um, we see someone win like a program first from an award and it's probably going to be KT um, if, if that happens. But I, 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 I truly believe there's that possibility uh, of that kind of a record falling than a statistical you know, program record. And I know that's kind of twisting the question, but I think that's probably more realistic. Matt, just so you know, the, the single season interception record is 13 um, in 1951. So like that's, that's not falling. Um, tackles. For oh geez. Loss, you're just so automatic. <laughs> 13, <laughs> one every single game is like ridiculous. Like, and that was in 1951, like the most since 2001 was Steve Smith with nine. So maybe a number like that can come down. We can call that the modern era. But George Shaw had 13 in 1951. And then uh, Jake liked, liked had uh, 10 in 1945. So these are guys that way down the line here. Um, tackles for loss, the, just so those listening, maybe that's one of interest with KT as well. Uh, the, the season best is 23. It's also Nick Reed, the same season. So um maybe you could get a season where where he has 14 sacks and 24 tackles for loss. I don't think that's like completely insane. And maybe that's the season um, where, where you kind of see that kind of records fall. Um, yeah, I, I, I think it just seems really unlikely. Here's a real off the radar one, um, but I'll throw it out here because everybody knows I love punting. Could Tom could Tom Snee get to the program season best for a, a per punt average, passing Josh Bild, Bidwell's forty six yards per punt in nineteen ninety eight? Snee averaged about forty four in twenty twenty. So there's like kind of a real off the radar one for those listening. Of maybe may, maybe there's just a weird outside scenario here where Tom Snee just sets the that kind of record. Um, Here's a couple just random ones. Longest field goal in a game. Matt, do you have any? By the way, I, I would not have gotten this, but do you have any idea what the longest kick in Oregon history is? From a field goal perspective? Yeah. It's pretty long. Like, it's a good kick. 59 yards. It is 59 yards. Jared Woo, Siegel. baby. Jared Siegel in 2002. Um, you have to go back a really long time since anyone's kicked a 50-yarder. Maybe we see just – something crazy with 
from a field goal perspective. But I don't know. I just figured I'd run through some more of the career records. I had it pulled up, and and I think very unlikely we see anything other than maybe maybe punting. And then obviously, I think KT does have a a legitimate chance, a legitimate chance to break some records. And frankly, it would be. I think here's what I'll say. I think it would be a little disappointing, um, and it's not his fault if he doesn't graduate and or or just leave Oregon after three seasons without being somewhere holding some sort of record or holding some sort of notoriety from a career season achievement perspective, just because of how special of a player he is. And unfortunately the COVID year really impacts it because that's a season where he probably goes for nine to 10 sacks. Instead he goes for three. Yeah, you uh, have your stat for interceptions that will never it, fall. Yeah. Uh, here is a stat or a record that will never, that will never be broken by Oregon. Uh, Ever. I, I, I'm very confident of this. Okay. Field goals attempted in a season. Oh, no. Well, I have the field goals made pulled up in front of me, so I can, I'm sort of cheating. That's I don't, 24, which yeah, I don't, that record probably will not also be broken. But I'm going to say attempts is like 36 or something. Very close. 34. Okay. That What's is the, so many attempts. Uh, that the, Tommy Thompson, 1992. So he went and, 21 for 34. That's terrible. Boy, they kept going back to him. They didn't get. They didn't shy away from Tommy. 21 <laughs> for 34. <laughs> the, here's a fun fact for you Duck fans that maybe are the of the younger age. Um, Tommy Thompson kicked field goals without a shoe on. Well, that's a heck of a that's a heck of a piece of information there. <laughs> That's the, that's the only real reason I know of Tommy Thompson because I remember in when I was a like elementary school age kid watching Oregon football, he was the kicker, and I just remember he would always be kicking field goals without a, 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 a shoe on. It was mind-boggling. I think the lesson of this is players should wear gloves when they're trying to catch the football and they should wear shoes when they're trying to kick the football. Cause Tommy was 21 for 34 and that's like, whatever, that's not the worst thing ever, but like you'd like to see better than a 66% clip from a field goal perspective. But that's a, that's a heck of a poll here. I like how we went down memory lane there, Garrett. Um, I think that answers the question pretty sufficiently. Let's if, jump. If you follow me on Twitter, I'll, I, I, I've, gone really deep down that the rabbit hole of Tommy Thompson. Um, Great. I have found a 1992 YouTube Rich Brooks show feature uh, on Tommy Thompson. And sure enough, there he is kicking field goals in front of Rich Brooks with shorts or with, without a shoe on. And you, I will say this, uh, you heckle him for his field goal attempts he played in the NFL and he kicked without a shoe in the NFL. Heck of a story. Look at this. I, I think Garrett, <laughs> Heck of a story. I, moving on. I, well, I think I think when Garrett asked this question, he was going, I hope this jumps into some Tommy Thompson shooter speaking <laughs> conversation. Like, I hope that's where this goes. So I'm, ha- I'm happy we got there because, uh, yeah, uh, otherwise, like, let's be honest, from like a breaking records perspective, there's not a lot that can fall. But who really cares when you can talk about kick you know shoeless kickers like tommy thompson who played in the nfl so I, I can't disparage him too much sorry tommy my fault uh next one from at altman fever we'll see if we get into something as bizarre here i don't expect it but we'll see is it fair to expect oregon to sign a top 12 recruiting class every year hashtag aughts and audibles um you know i i, I think we've kind of touched on this a little bit i don't know if we've discussed this specific part but um like Exactly. But yeah, I, I think right now Oregon has elevated itself from a recruiting perspective that it would be disappointing if they fell be, be, beneath that number. 
Um, we've now seen them, you know, be better than that every year under Mario Cristobal. Um, the program is elevating its play on the field. I know, obviously, you can point to some disappointing losses in 2020, but it's a weird year, and they won the conference, and they played in the Fiesta Bowl, with all those things considered, with the year that we don't have to run through all of it, but there was a lot of uphill. There's a lot of reasons why that was difficult. Um, we're already seeing in 2022, I know it's very, very early days, but four players committed. They're all four-star recruits. The class is 17th nationally, second in the Pac-12. And that's without really getting into any of the, um, you know, any of the real meat on the bones in the class. Like Oregon hasn't, I don't think, pulled together its headliners. I think if, if let's put it this way, if 2022 ended and your headliner was Grayson Halton, who's, by the way, a really, really good recruit at a position of need. I think defensive line is a position they needed to address and getting a top tier guy out of San Diego like him is a big win. But if, if this class ends with Halton ranked again right now, like around 200th best player in the country, people would be disappointed with that. And, and for good reason, because they've elevated to the point where if either right now, either you're getting five stars or you're getting guys right on the cusp of being five stars. Oregon has like three guys in 2021 that, are maybe five stars in other services, but if we're using 247 Sports Composite, are, are not. So, um, yeah, I think I look at where they're starting in 2022, and I think they're off to a good start. There is going to be more momentum here when the NCAA kind of finally kind of unleashes things and sets everybody up to go out and, and recruit without any restrictions. But yeah, I really think, and, 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 and maybe, there, maybe 2022 ends up being an aberration year just where there is so much strangeness and the recruiting window is, is affected because even in 2021, Oregon did get a lot of guys on campus early prior to COVID and prior to the restrictions, but it's been almost a year now and you'd, you'd like to see um, Oregon get players on campus. And, and, and maybe that's what happens in 2022 and that's why they don't go top 12. But I, I think realistically, I just think this, this class or this program, I should say, and, and the staff has really proven itself to the point where I would be really kind of surprised if this is, if they turn in a class that goes, that's like 14th nationally, like that's not a terrible class, but by Oregon standard, it is not good enough. So um, I guess the only caveat being if they just don't sign very many guys because of the, of the numbers getting wonky, which, which could happen too. I think it's fair. The current, the current makeup of this roster from a coaching standpoint and the ability to recruit, I, I think I am not trying to discredit the success of Oregon staff at all with this comment, but I think today's technology and the ability to connect and like the FaceTime and to do like virtual tours and to hop on zoom on, you know, to, to block out two hours every day in the afternoon and Mario Cristobal could hop on zoom and speak with, 20 prospects and their families for, you know, six or seven, 10 minutes each, you know, over a, a couple hours of, of time and do it every single day. I think that has opened the, the door for Oregon to be able to recruit at a high level. Now you have to still, that's why I said this, you still have to be able to be good recruiters, but the level of access that you have to showcase your program, to go into homes without, you know, actually physically being there has opened the door for Oregon to really maximize their recruiting. And I, I think with crystal ball has head coach and the resources that they have within the program, I, I think a top 12 finish every year is more than reasonable to expect out of this coaching staff. Yeah, no, I, I think 
I mean, I think really like it feels like this is going to be a top 10 kind of program from a recruiting perspective year in and year out. And so 12 is kind of an arbitrary number. 10 is an arbitrary number. But like I, I here's what here's what I can just say with like, you know, and I know obviously the question was specifically about top 12, but I, I just go, I, I think you're going to be really pleased with every recruiting class while Mario Cristobal is the head coach and while the staff is at least somewhat intact. And honestly, the staff is changing so much and the recruiting results are staying the same that I, I think it's almost, it's, just, just a really clear sign of what kind of a special recruiter Mario Cristobal is as a head coach. So whether it be 10, 12, 15, whatever the number is, I think you're going to come away every year really pleased. And if you're not pleased with where they are from a recruiting perspective, that's probably because Mario Cristobal has, has moved the change. He's moved kind of, you know, the expectations so much from a, what they're going to do where you maybe you get to a place where you do sign the 10th best class in the country. And everyone's like, well, I'm used to getting the fifth or sixth best class. So um, that's how I guess I would, I would kind of wrap up that. I, I think people are going to continue to be very pleased with the recruiting, and I don't think we're going to get to a place where you go, Oregon's not having success in the field, and it's because they're not talented enough. If they are not having success in the field, it's because of something else, because recruiting and player acquisition and just the overall recruiting talent on the team, and I've been doing, by the way, those interested, and you want to check out duckterritory.com, I've been doing a, a kind of a cool little feature each week where I run through where all the recruits or start to say all the players at each position stack up as recruits. And it's pretty amazing how many four and five star players Oregon has at every single position. So check those out on the site. But I think, yeah, I, I think you're not the reason Oregon's going to have shortcomings on the field is not going to be because of recruiting. All right. Third one for at guy 18 sum. What quarterbacks will be on the roster next fall? Do we lose anyone to transfer? Do we see any, another transfer porter? portal quarterback come in um interesting question from a guy here i'm reading this as in next fall being 2022 rather than this fall which i would that's suggest. how i read it okay too. okay so we're interpreting the same way so we're not talking about this upcoming season i think this upcoming season by the way just to address it before we jump into 2022 i, I would expect oregon probably keeps all these players on on their their team through the season um i would be surprised if any of the freshmen left this quickly um Maybe a Robbie Ashford decides he wants to focus on baseball and, and sign some sort of professional deal. But like, I don't see why you would see Anthony Brown, Jay Butterfield or Ty Thompson leave in 2022. Obviously, you know, Brown, Brown being a senior, there's not really an incentive to do so. Thompson and, and Butterfield are guys where you, you could, could make some sense of it if it's just clear they're never going to start. But, but I don't expect that the future future is going to be determined by the end of 2021. I think you're gonna have to go into 2022 to have an idea on that. So there's that part. Um, as far as 2022, do we lose? Does Oregon lose any players to transfer for 2022 at quarterback? Um, I'd say they probably end up losing. I mean, I, I think you're going to have an idea before the 2022 football season of who your starting quarterback is going to be and the way things are constructed on the roster right now. It's going to be a redshirt freshman or a redshirt sophomore, or I guess it could be a true sophomore in Ty Thompson's case. So it's going to be a young player. And because of that, I think you just kind of, I'm not going to point and say who's it's going to be, but like hypothetically, if Ty Thompson wins the starting quarterback job, what's the real, what, why is Jay Butterfield stick around very long? And the, the, the opposite's the same. And, and, the, and, and let's just, any of those, go, you, you know, you can shuffle any name you want in there, but like if Robbie Ashford's going to be the long-term starting quarterback, why is Ty Thompson sticking around? So I think you're going to probably lose one of those three guys. It seems unlikely you carry three players that are the same age, at least for the moment. Um, and they're all going to be freshmen in 2021. It seems kind of unlikely that all three of them stick around through 2022. Um, in terms of adding players, 
for 2022. We talked about this. I think you probably see Oregon sign some sort of make some addition at quarterback, um, whether it be a, a, a you know a high school player, whether it be somebody from the transfer portal, whether it be a junior college guy. Um, because like I just established, I think it's probably pretty likely somebody t- decides to move on after or even before the start of 2022 season. So you, you, you want to make sure you're continuing to add players. The worst case scenario is you would start a season with like two, two scholarship quarterbacks because you just don't know what's going to happen. I mean, you protect your guys, but what's to say that, um, that both guys don't get hurt and then you're stuck with somebody who you didn't even recruit really to play the position at the most important position on a team. So um, I don't know. I, I, I think you probably see someone leave the program and you probably see somebody enter the program. And I think you start 2022 probably with somewhere between three and four, three and four scholarship quarterbacks. Who who transfers out? Um, I mean, I'm not going to name names. It's too it's unfair to speculate with names. Right. But I'm with you. Like everybody on the roster besides Anthony Brown going into 2021 has eligibility returning. Beyond that, Oregon is expected to sign somebody in the 2022 class. So you look at this and think Ashford, Butterfield, Ty Thompson, and whoever they sign in 2022, one of those guys will not be on the roster probably in 2023 or potentially 2024. I would be shocked if it got to 2024, but I just feel pretty confident that, you know, there's a lot of quarterbacks and that's just the nature of, of recruiting now guys. And look, I'm okay with it. Guys don't want to sit and for their entire careers and, you know, be a backup quarterback you know, they, they get one opportunity maybe as a redshirt sophomore to win the job. They don't. And then they are, you know, they don't want to sit for three years and just not play. You know, they want to go and, and they want an opportunity to play. And especially now with the uh, upcoming um, ability to have a one-time transfer without having to redshirt, that will almost guarantee it happens. So I'm with you. All right. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I think the quarterback position continues to be the most important, but it's also kind of like the most volatile from a transfer perspective for what you just outlined there of, you just kind of have to expect, unfortunately, that if a guy is not starting, you know, going to be the starting quarterback and he's about the same age or, or even younger than the, you know, or, or even older, I should say, than the quarterback that they go with, that that player's probably going to at least peek around and see what's available. Oregon's already lost two guys in the last month to the portal. I don't think they see anybody leave. Um, in 2021, but I could, I definitely would sort of expect going into 2022. There's going to be some turnover there. All right. Last one from at duck boy mafia. I would love to hear some thoughts on the center floating the snaps during a majority of the games this year. They obviously slowed down the offense's ability to get timing down, which allowed defenses to disrupt a lot of the plays by Oregon. Haven't heard much about it. Um, this is referring to, uh, well, I mean, Alex Forsyth was the center, so he's referring to Alex Forsyth here. I probably should just put a name to it. Um, we discussed this during the season. I, I know we at least got a couple of mailbag questions. I, I can't remember one. I don't know if it was us or if it was another outlet asked Mario Cristobal about snaps at least once during the season, and his response was that he didn't – he watched the tape and didn't think it was egregious enough, and I don't know if that was like late enough in the season that things got worse and he didn't ever address it again because there were probably bigger problems to – bigger fish to fry as they say but like was it was it problematic at times yeah like there were times where I certainly noticed it and and like it's that's a hard position right the center position is a tough one because you don't get talked about until unless you do something that's that's off right unless you're getting flagged for holds or false starts or in this case 
bad snaps or snaps that are noticeably, you know, that are a little off what you want them to be. You want them to be obviously quick and direct and get to the quarterback as quick as possible so that the play can start um, without any delay. And and the reality is, and I I would agree with this point, at least from duck boy of like, you know, if, if you snap it and it's even a second slower or even half a, second slower or even a couple tenths slower it can impact the way the play develops because you need that ball to wherever it's going whether it be to the running back the quarterback keeping it to you know some sort of rpo action to even getting the ball out quickly because there's a pass rush coming like you 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 do need that to be quick you got to have pretty much instantaneous you know snaps there so when the ball's off that does disrupt things you can you can argue that i don't know if I would say it was such a big, like we put this in the mailbag because it's worth discussing. But I also think like, I didn't come away from 2020 thinking the reason Oregon struggled offensively was really even part because of their center position. Like I didn't think Alex Forsyth was the issue. Yeah. I, I, you know? like the, the order is of concern with the offense. This is so, so far down the list that it doesn't even really, um, pick up a ton of steam for me. Not, not offense to the question, but yeah, I know. Like, I, I just think there were so many other glaring issues that needed to be had that Oregon's quarterback play was highly inconsistent. Um, they had injuries at the receiver spot or medical, you know, precautions, protocols that I think prevented Oregon's offense from, you know, that's not the fault of the players or the staff or anybody, but that, that was an issue, it, you know, a, a constant shuffling of guys at receiver and also tight end. Um, I think Oregon's offensive line, you know, inconsistencies as a unit to pass protect were mm-hmm. issues. Um, yeah. I, I think CJ Verdell getting hurt and Oregon not having a viable, you know, between the tackles runner, but you know, behind him was a big issue for this team, but snaps were, I, I don't think there were a ton of issues with snacks with snacks. Snaps. I'm hungry. <laughs> I was going to say, Matt, 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 you're telegraphing your next move after we finish recording this. Um, yeah, I, I think just to close that point, like I think Alex Forsyth was part of an offensive line that was going through growing pains, and part of those growing pains you know, is a transition of fully snapping every single time. And the reality is no one's perfect. A quarterback's going to have a couple balls that just don't go to the right spot. A center. I want to be clear. It's harder to throw a football 15 to 20 yards downfield to a very specific place than it is to snap consistently to the exact same spot, right? But over the course of a 60 to 70 day, maybe 80 play game on some instances, there might be a couple that aren't great. And I'm sure this is one of those things that you hear from centers. It's something that just it's, it comes down to effort and repetition. And I'm sure Alex Forsyth is, is aware of, hey, maybe some of these snaps weren't great. I'm sure he's his harshest critic and he is spending this offseason, he is going into spring focusing on maybe getting an extra 100 snaps a day or, or, or whatever the number is. I don't, I don't know if that's too small or I, I, maybe he's doing an extra 500 snaps or maybe he's only doing 50 snaps. But whatever it is, I'm sure he's very much aware of these issues. And, and this is, again, an offensive line group that had a lot of growing pains. Part of it is we were spoiled for four years because Jake Tanson was the center. And then before that, we were spoiled for four years because Jaronis Grasso was the center. There might have been a center in between um, – no, I don't think there was. So, like, you've had eight years of, like, really high-end starting centers. Not to say Alex Forsyth can't become one or that he was bad. I think he was second-team all-conference um, by some – I think by the media. Um, no, it was by the coaches. But regardless, like, he had some things to work out. This is his first time doing this. He came into Oregon as an offensive tackle recruit and has transitioned over to play center. And I think 
a player that, like I look at the offensive line and this is what we talked about. We talked to a line last week. Like the one position I feel really confident about is that Alex Forsythe is going to be the center. Like I know they bring in Jackson Light. I know there's some young guys people get excited about. I don't have a whole lot of concerns that as long as Alex Forsythe is on this team, he is going to be the team center. And so like, are there, are there ups and downs? Yeah, but this is a young player playing a position that he didn't hasn't played really in games for his entire career. And over the course of a season where you're maybe you've got 500, 600 snaps, maybe, you know, so whatever the number is, yeah. Are there going to be a handful that aren't great? Sure. But I think you just go into 2021 thinking that, that those issues are going to be shored up. And if we get, I'll put it this way. Um, if this becomes an issue during the 2021 season, let's readdress it. Um, Duck Boy Mafia, if you keep listening and, and, and you All continue these issues, we'll talk about it because maybe it will be an issue. I think right now it's really low on my concern list for, for the season ahead. It's going to do it for us here on the Austin Audible's podcast. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for submitting the questions. Um, we will continue doing these as always. Our next one will be next Wednesday. You can also check out an episode that will come out on Friday. Uh, Eric and I will have another show coming out later this week. So plenty to look forward to here on the podcast. And until then, you've been listening to the Odds and Audibles podcast. Talk to you later, folks.